Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Mad Mamluks podcast. My name is Sim. Along with me are my co-hosts, Mahin, Fahim, and Tarek. Whoa, something happened here. Where are you? Now, your names are flipped because Fahim just left the, the conversation. He'll be back. Hopefully, it gets it gets realigned here. Um, how you all doing this evening? Thank you for joining us. It is time for Mad Mondays. I just woke up my He's what the hell? This guy's usually soft-spoken. But it's an exciting day. There's a lot of controversy, a lot of brouhaha buzzing in the air. So we got our resident uh, guy who handles these kind of controversies because he's usually in the middle of them. I don't know how he ends up in there, but Tarek, thank you for joining us. Um, I'm going to go ahead and... Get a few business items out of the way real quick. Halfourdeem.com is the place you go when you want a private matrimonial experience. Get out of the swipe left and swipe right game and get on halfourdeem.com. Wahedinvest.com is a website that is dedicated to halal investing. Make sure your income that you are generating is generated in a halal manner. Go to wahedinvest.com. And mywasia.com is a website that was that was created by Joe Bradford, who is a scholar from um, Medina, I think, right? And he built this website so you can have an easy way to build an Islamic will. You don't have to learn any of the rules. You don't have to take a al maghrib course on how to make a will. Just go to mywasia.com and you'll make a will in as little as 15 minutes. We have a special discounted link in the description below where you will be able to uh, save some money. Speaking of Al Maghrib, I just took my first class in three years this past weekend. How was that? You know, my daughters went there as well. It was it was all right. So, I mean, I was a little disappointed. Was it was it too kid friendly? I think like I I think your kids would have liked it. Yeah, my kids loved it, you know, but. I think when you're talking about, because he spends a lot of time, he has to teach to the level of the lowest common denominator, right? So yeah. he spends a lot of time covering basics. I was surprised you went when you when you told me because I thought you would have graduated from all the different only because it was Sheikh Abdul Nasser Jangda, and I like that guy. Yeah, and it, the last class uh, I took was with him three years ago, and that's when we started this whole like podcast. Angie is a sweetheart, man. I met him a couple times, and uh, he's always been very warm and re- receptive. He's just not one of those people that you, when you uh, think about, you know, someone who's got the, a level of stardom when they attain scholarship and you kind of feel like, you know, they're intimidated by him. But he's one of the guys. He was talking football with us, and it was just a great time uh, hanging out with him a few years ago when I did. But um, The you... best part about the class, though, was the babysitting. I took my daughter, and I'm legit. I was impressed. They had face paint. They had henna. Like Play-Doh, I'm legit. Even if I don't take a class in the future, I'll just take her for babysitting and drop her off. Because <laughs> it's like thirty-five bucks for the weekend, <laughs> so I'm gonna watch my kid. <laughs> what, what was the class about? A Tafsir Sutra Maryam. Oh, mashallah. You know, so mashallah. I mean, he, he did a good job. I mean, like you know, he, he's one of their better teachers for sure. Um, what and... were you learning? Tafsir Sutra Maryam. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was uh, I was in the middle of fixing this these name plates here. Right. No. Oh, hold on. Okay. Um, there we go. Should be right now. 
And you but your kids liked it though, right? Yeah, yeah. They learned they were just coming they were telling me and my wife about all the various stuff they learned and I was surprised that they were so ex- excited about something Islamic and that's what I like about Al Maghrib. It, it it gives a vehicle for those who aren't terribly excited about re- learning the religion. It's accessible. Uh, yeah, it's 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 uh it's definitely what what's needed. As much as you know how you know, we kind of criticize some of the institutions where a lot of Muslims go to learn. And as much as, despite their shortcomings, we have to be more forgiving and realize the importance of how much these institutions are needed, especially after seeing so much of what we've seen after launching this podcast. There's just, uh, we're in a mess, Tarek. We're in a mess. And yeah. there's no other way. I, I don't know how else to explain it. It's the, the the scene in Star Trek when Picard is, is saying red alert and Enterprise is under attack and people don't realize it that, that we are under attack and and also learning through this podcast how few Muslims are really practicing their faith in the world these days. I mean, just finding out that, yeah, there are people who are you know praying five times a day and majority of Muslims do that, but going beyond that and actually taking an interest in mm-hmm. the advancement of the faith is something yeah. that was really shocking to me at how little people cared about that. I mean, we, we have to, I think, notice that just there's, everybody's going to have a different vehicle back, right? Like uh, a lot of times I feel like sometimes Al-Maghrib classes might be criticized by people who say kind of have like progressed past that that kind of level of needing an al-maghrib class like maybe they're taking weekly classes or you know they're in an alim program or something and it's like oh these programs are just edutainment it's flashy it's whatever well it's like that flash is what actually gets some people into the door who might otherwise not have any interest or any knowledge in an islamic program so you know i we just have to recognize that you know what just because you don't need something right now it doesn't mean that that might not serve somebody else's needs so yeah, I think that's necessary to remember. And and the way our minds are constructed these days, they're, they're all. And so, what if it is edutainment or deentertainment? Let it be that. It's it's actually something that is allowing them um, get some kind of foundation in the faith, you know, so that they can get at least some of their tough questions answered. Like there there are so many things about um, just Surah Maryam and and. Um, that, that are being like mocked at, you know, just the virginity of, of money in mm-hmm. that is being mocked at in, in, in the world. And I'm sure he must've talked about that yeah. to some level. I, okay. unfortunately I had to go home early Saturday. So I missed I it. all the verses on East side of time. <laughs> like that was the one, that's why I went, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, so your daughter, Mar- did your daughter, Mariam like appreciate the class? Cause it's named yeah. after her. Yeah. I, I definitely named her because of money. Uh, Islam and just uh, her, I always uh, loved the tenderness that uh, she's always described with, and I, I always f- hoped that she had that. And uh, yeah, yeah, she she definitely connected with many of the things. I I know she's she's someone who is always going for not going for, but she's very popular in school. Okay, so she always likes that affirmation from people, and, and that's something that I'm really working hard with my kids on. On trying not to be like dependent on dependent on yeah. people's affirmation, people, and I think this this kind of leads way into what we're talking about today. But 
one of my main things about my kids is I don't want them to feel validated by friends, you know, and I think that's something that carries over from our childhood and we don't realize how, what a big part it plays in our psychology, right? Yeah. I mean, imagine, well, here's what, I, what I've been doing. I've, I've been telling them to close their eyes. This is something I've been doing for, for a while now since kind of starting the podcast. And imagine everyone, a, a huge audience, just screaming your name and saying the, the worst things to you possible, okay? And then imagine everyone there, your family members and everyone and whoever you consider important. Let's just say the whole world, you know, and trying to train your mind to not let that bother you. And, and conversely, uh, the opposite, where everyone is cheering for you and not allowing that to affect you in any way. Being even keeled, whether people love you or hate you, so that you can be aligned with the truth, and that's something I, I'm very passionate about. I always am urging any young Muslim, anyone who's watching our podcast, to be always aligned with the truth, no matter what anyone says. That y your your um, affirmation or your contentment with who you are is only dependent on your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how you feel Allah is viewing you. And th these are these are things that are talked about throughout psychology and um some of the some of the founding fathers like you know um Alfred Adler, he's a pretty well-known psychologist from back in the day. He talked a lot about this about um being your your contentment with life is directly related to two different factors your contentment with yourself and your contributions to society to the world around you whatever it may be however small it may be or however large it may be but these two factors play a huge part in your mental health and i really want if if anyone got anything from today's episode to learn those two things they're very very important things yeah. So, I mean, what else is? Yeah. Oh, sorry, Tari, go ahead. No, I was gonna say just on the topic of uh, kind of validation from people and whatnot. I think one thing that is popularly said is, "Oh yeah, I don't care what people think." It's like, okay, it, that means nothing because at the end of the day, every single one of us needs validation from some source. And even even if we say theoretically, "Okay, I just need my validation from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala." I mean, sure, theoretically, if you know you're some, mashallah, you know, ascetic, perfect worshiper, maybe. But the reality is that you're gonna have to have, you're gonna need validation from people around you in some capacity. Then the question is, who are they and why are they validating you? So, are you getting validation, for example, from your parents because you know they're pushing you towards you know the right path and you're you're falling into that pathway and you're saying, okay, I feel validated when my parents say, you know, mashallah, may Allah bless you, you know, you're such a good son or you're such a good daughter. Versus, you know, like you said, you know, getting validation from your peers who might not necessarily have the same Islamic values as you. And you made the point of like, uh, you know, making sure that we're, we're, pri we're prioritizing the truth. I think one of the key points if we're talking about self-awareness is also constantly asking ourselves, do we actually have the truth? Or are we just following what has been told to us or taught to us as this is true? 
Because right. sometimes we're just following through the motions robotically and we don't realize until we have some crisis of faith later, we're like, wait a minute, I don't actually know if this is real or not. I haven't asked the proper questions. And that's why in some Islamic schools um, of thought, there's the idea that, okay, when you become a mature adult, you should be asking these questions and seeking their answers of, you know, why do we worship? Who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And, you know, in the proper meaning of that term. Well, uh, Tariq, usually you're, you're, when we were last talking, um, mm. you were talking about a lot of, uh, a lot of the people on Twitter, they, uh, they besmirch your name. Let's just say they've tried to okay. paint you out as, as, as a, <laughs> as a white knight of sorts. How yeah, do you feel so, about that? So I was making a joke about that. I was like, yeah, for, this is, but yeah. by the way, for the listeners who don't understand what a white knight is, a white knight is one of these, uh, terms, uh, new age terms, I guess that came out in the recent years. It refers to anyone who is over the top defending women's rights and um, feminism in general. They're like the first ones you see who are, they're males who are usually the first ones to support any uh, women's rights initiatives. Yeah. So when it comes to like being a quote unquote white knight or whatever, first of all, I definitely believe white knights exist. Um, I think it's a really – it's a flimsy accusation though that's thrown at people. Like a lot of times people, when they're saying you're a white knight, they're accusing your intentions. And when, when you're, whenever you're accusing intentions, there's already no point in having that debate further in general if you're trying to convince the other person because they've just taken the criteria of criticism into the unseen world. Like you're going into my intentions. Okay, that's unseen. I can't use anything in the seen world now to defend myself. So if I'm going to tell you no, my actual intention is this. That's still unseen. There's still no proof. There's no reason for you to take it. So it's just it's a it's a it's a bad accusation in that aspect. But other than that, like there's there's generally signs, man, of a person who is a quote unquote white knight. And it's like like you can defend. The problem is now is that there's we've become so reactionary where anybody who speaks uh, up for a, you know women's issues or women's empowerment or whatever it is from an Islamic from you know the correct proper Islamic context, anybody who speaks up from that lens is is grouped as a feminist or an ally of feminism, you know. So that's what ends up happening. So you're you're like. This person is speaking on this topic, therefore they're a feminist, or therefore they support feminism. And once you put that label onto people, there's almost no going back because when we when we use these terms, these labels, what we're actually doing is we're making the world simpler for us to to digest. So if I say, okay, Sim is on this podcast and they brought this certain person or they talked about this issue, therefore he is X label, I can now assume that I know, you know, a lot about you just based on that label. It gives me a false sense of security, a false sense of understanding of the world. What does that do for me now? I feel secure. I feel confident. I feel less vulnerable. Because if I don't give you that label and I actually have to deal with you as a human being and say, okay, what's your opinion on this issue? What's your opinion on that issue? Once we're going to that area where there's now a lot of unknowns, that means that I could be wrong about things. If I'm wrong, that means I have to reassess myself. That means I can be vulnerable. Well, well, one of the things, Tarek, is that most people, when they're t- using the word feminism, aren't even talking about it in the ideological sense. So what I've done now is reassess what the climate is on this, in, in social media. And j- instead of attacking feminism per se, you just talk about the ideas in general and, and talk about the nature of how those ideas are permeating to society. So 
Um, I, I think I, I know some people might not agree with that approach, but I feel like that's the only way to really delineate your point so that it's heard mm -hmm. and so that people don't think you're one of these red pill dudes who are, you know, fighting for men's rights. You know, I, I feel like yeah. as virtuous yeah, I mean, as some, some of those things are within the men's rights movements, like, you know, you know, the unfair custody laws and things like that, that yeah. a lot of men are upset about. I, aside from that, I, I feel like, you know, that it's, <laughs> it's not a movement that is something that anyone needs to really fight for. It's usually when someone, men are, are not just, I don't want to use, say that they're in a position of power, but they, we're the caretakers, right? And why do, why do we really have to worry about things that are men's rights? I, I can see you fighting for custody rights, and I think that mm -hmm. would be a, a valiant effort. But I think that's that's one thing that we have to move past, man, is just using all these labels and terms just to simplify the world. Like you, you, we use these labels like white knight or, or liberal or feminist or well, whatever. Well, the whole gender war itself, Tarek. Yeah. The yeah, whole gender just, war is just, just ridiculous. Or and all bro. All yeah. bro, that's another label bro. that people want that's to an, use. That's another label, man. And it's like these labels, this is something I, I tweeted about this the other day, but um, this dehumanizes people. I don't mean to interrupt, but uh, gentlemen, assalamu alaikum. Oh, who's uh, back? The, the gloves are coming to... off right now. <laughs> They're coming off, man. No, before they come off, I, I need to understand what's going on. Sim wants to know why uh, people call me a white knight. And so I was talking about how one of the reasons why people uh, use these labels is just to simplify the world because it's Bro, inconceivable. Because, because you're so beautifully light-skinned. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Uh, it's probably because you were advocating for the removal of a certain episode from a certain podcast. Hey, hey, hey. first of all, I wasn't advocating for any of that. I found out about it when it was done. And you were celebrating it, right? Hey, man, I am not against it. <laughs> I was not against <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, it's, it's this idea of giving labels to things, man, so that we can we can simplify the world and feel like we actually understand it. It gives a false sense of confidence and it boosts the ego. Because if if you tell me, hey, this person uh, say is, is uh, you know supports women's rights, but also is a practicing conservative Muslim, for some people that's like that's inconceivable. You know what I mean? For some people, some people who maybe their idea of women's rights is all, you know, it's this really kind of deformed, you know. See, here, here's the problem. When, when you debate with people who fundamentally lack training in logic and yeah. understanding syntax, it's a meaningless debate. I yeah. don't know if you guys saw the, the recent uh, debate between uh, Sheikh Asrar Rashid and I think Molana Yusuf of, of the UK. It was like a, it was like a Barawi Diobandi, Sunni Diobandi debate type thing where they spent the first I think two hours just debating terms and conditions a lot of people were like what what is this because they're not used to that and yeah you could argue that that's that's yeah. way too uh redundant and pedantic. but the problem here is the other extreme which is that people lack any appreciation for debating terms and conditions so we we are approaching debates without actually understanding concepts and it's, uh, instead of understanding how to reason from first principles that's why we're just slinging mud at each other instead of having common ground and common a common frame of reference. Uh, exactly. If we don't have that, we're going to be like just slinging mud at each other. It's going to be so, such an inaccurate discussion, you know? You're going to mischaracterize yeah. each other. You're going to conflate each other's words. You're going to uh, commit all kinds of equivocation, fallacies. It's yeah. not going to get anywhere. 
I mean, you ask some people just, hey, they say like they're anti, they're anti-feminism or they're anti-SJWs. And it's like, okay, define what you mean by those terms. And yeah, they, yeah. they usually can't give you, I won't say, never mind. Some people can't give you a coherent definition <laughs> of what they actually oppose. Because what they actually oppose is a caricature of a person yeah. that, that is, uh, uh, you know, that isn't necessarily representative of any of these ideologies or movements. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I think it comes down to a lack of accountability. There's there's one extreme where we reject any labels, even when they're accurate and they're descriptive and they're binding. And then there's the other extreme where we neither can uh, substantiate using a label. And number two, even if we can, we're not we're not using it accurately, right? There's two yeah. different extremes here. Where in Islam, if you look at the Sharia, there are labels, right? There are categories of different types of people. For example, the word fasik, it has a clear meaning. But how it's applied it exactly. takes training, it has parameters, exactly. Uh, you know, so on and so forth. So similarly, I think that because today uh, social media is open to everyone, you have a platform that allows unequal opinions, equal opportunity to be expressed. So you have, you'll see everything from, you know, intel- intellectually uh, well-trained opinions to people who, are, who have absolutely no control over their nafs and who have very poor reasoning. And it's all out there on the same playing field. All right, so yeah. let's get into the meat of the discussion. Let's do it. So lately, um, our, our partners, Boys in the Cave, they invited a controversial guest, Nabil Aziz. Now, for those who don't know who Nabil Aziz is, he is a he was the founder of uh, the Alpha Muslim or becoming the Alpha Muslim um, website and Podcasts. podcast, and so he. he He's very, um, how would you say, uh, very outspoken, uh, out, yeah, a little brash, brash, uh, abrasive, you yeah. know. So, and, and <clears throat> he wears that as a crown. He's a friend of ours. He came on the show a uh, long time ago, and we did a show with them. And um, a couple <laughs> days ago, I was told that, hey Sim uh, or hey guys, we had like a group chat. I, we're bringing on Nabil Aziz. I'm like. Whoa, okay. I guess uh, you guys want to bring him on for whatever reason? Go ahead. Okay. You want to go there? Yeah. So uh, I, I said, go for it. And well, they, they already recorded. Yeah, I think they, were, they, they, they told us while they were recording with them. Like, oh, by the way, we're recording with Nabil Aziz like right now. This is like maybe like a month ago or something, right? No. And then we didn't know when yeah. it was going to get released. And so they ended up releasing it, uh, what, how many days ago? Uh, mashallah, Juma Mubarak. On Juma. So. Uh, they were telling me beforehand that, uh, you know, uh, we're excited about releasing the episode. And I'm like, no, you guys should be nervous. I don't know. Why, why are you guys excited? <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't know what kind of pain you're going you're gonna to experience. This is... I, I was like, are, are you guys being naive or are you guys actually aware of what's going to come? And you're just that, that confident. Well, I, th- I think Poison Caves, they're, they're young guys. They're around, yeah. what, 21, 22 years old. And I didn't. <clears throat> I, if if they had asked me before bringing on the bill, um, like hey, should we bring him on? I, I would have said no, don't do it because he's going to bring a lot of heat, and you guys aren't going to be able to handle that. And this mm-hmm. kind of goes back to some of the the maturation that happens over the years because you know what, when you're young, there's still so many unknowns, and the the foundations of whatever you believe in haven't been formed yet and you're still kind of figuring things out and you what you think is right turns out to be wrong 
and, and you know everyone go, goes through this whole period throughout college i don't have to remind you all but essentially they invited him on and they got a lot of hell from it from um local community leaders com- community members and um at first they were kind of taking in stride and i think uh over the days people just overwhelmed them with with messages and stuff and that they ended up taking it down now i that um that was this morning actually monday i woke morning. up at like three in the morning to use the restroom and i happened to check my made the mistake of checking my phone yeah, and then couldn't go back to sleep. I got riled up real quick. I first thing I did was unsubscribe from Boys in the Cave. Cause I, t- I told those guys, if you guys cave in, I will unsubscribe and leave you a one star review. Oh no! <clears throat> oh, you know they are partners, though, right? Listen, yeah. um, that's all good. Like I don't represent everybody. You guys can do whatever you want. I'm just saying for myself. I mean, well, what 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 exactly? So I can understand why you would get my hand because you're you're friends with Nabil and. Um, I would imagine that, you know, you're just kind of having his back. But for me, I could understand them doing it if there was some kind of something that was said un-Islamic, right? Because Nabil is a, is a, is a person who, who could be, um, you know, abrasive. But for me, he was he was always grounded in tradition. So I, I didn't have a problem with him in that respect. Yes, he has his flaws and who doesn't, you know? He he always whenever I corrected him, he always took the advice and he he you know thanked me for it for coming directly to him for the advice I gave him and you know I had respect for him that in regards to that because um, for me it would have been very easy to take down Nabil's episode and just you know block him on Twitter and never talk to him again and so, <laughs> that's how mostly people operate you know like uh, this guy I don't want to talk to him anymore and he's you know tarnishing my brand name and i i think the way the mad mamluks have positioned ourselves is that you know as long as you're grounded in this in the tradition you're you you are welcome to speak here and i don't care where you are what 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 um what what side of the prism you're on you know you you always have a place to come here and talk to us um given that you have something relevant that is you know that's worthy so, to talk about. Right. So l- l- yeah. let me let me give you my point. I want to hear I want to hear what Tarek and Fahim had to say. Right. So uh, Boys in the Cave, I thought last week did a great job of like first of all promoting the podcast. Podcast. Right. Now knowing these guys again, I I agree with you. They're young kids. They're twenty twenty one years old. Right. We're in our late thirties, so we have you know that experience where we're not going to necessarily get bullied. I think they were bullied. Number one, but they also yeah. knew that Nabil was controversial. That's why they advertised it in advance. That's why they put that clip up. And Nabil, like, was telling us on the side before that, I don't think these kids know what they're getting themselves into. I don't think they're ready for this. And so I was expecting, like, a really ratchet podcast on uh, Friday morning when it came out. And I was actually kind of disappointed. It was kind of tame. It was, it was really beneficial, but it wasn't, like, completely, like, unhinged that I was kind of, like, It wasn't for. the spiciness that you wanted. Yeah, that I wanted. Like, the, when the you thing get... is, mind, you're, you're an outlier. Majority of Muslims, they, they, they can't handle... <laughs> they can't handle this kind of stuff. I yeah. mean, some of the okay, jokes we okay. make on our show, they just we get so. It's much. not an issue. It's not an issue of not handling it, and like people are too. That's not it, man. Like nobody was listening to that podcast, and they're like, "I'm so hurt. I'm so fat. I can't listen to this anymore." Like, come on, man. You guys know that the issue with, with the issue with with having somebody like Nabil on there, 
so first of all, may Allah Taala, you know, bless his intentions. I want to be clear, like, not, I don't think anybody here <clears throat> is accusing his intentions or, you know, saying he's insincere or any of that. Uh, and not I, I kind of not here, but a lot of a lot of the critique. Yeah, so I'm just I'm just saying for, from us, just yeah, for, sure, for sure, for sure, because I I just think in general, once you go into the realm of intentions, I, like you just I, mentioned, I respect that you said that. By the way, I respect that you said. Alhamdulillah, man. Like, just we have to be clear, man. You know, everybody's trying to do their best to serve Allah Subhanahu wa Taala for the most part, and we don't have a reason to accuse them of not doing that, uh, even if we disagree with their methods. Uh, I want to get that, you know, ahead because what I what you know, personally speaking, I listened to about an hour and twenty minutes of the podcast. I think there was. Uh, a little less than like 20, about 20 ish minutes left to, to go. And they were talking about like Patreon and stuff like that. So I just, I kind of tuned out. I felt like they were kind of past the juicy stuff. Um, here's the thing. I'm also cautious of the fact that now that we're talking about it, it's going to give it more attention. So if I felt like the content of that podcast were like <clears throat> so harmful and so dangerous, uh, you know, then I don't think we would have talked about it right now, you know, because, you know, for the most part, most of what was said in the podcast was fairly tame. Although I disagree with a lot of it, uh, I do see the parts of it that could be beneficial. Um, Can you mention a couple of things that you, you disagreed with on that episode? And by the way, we'll post yeah. a link of the podcast because it got taken down. There's a yeah. alternate link that <clears throat> Nabil made for that episode so that you guys can listen to it. Yeah, so I personally don't think it's it's you know worth the time i just want to say that uh but um you know one thing for example that he said is that all imams and like people involved in da'wah whatever uh should get te- should get their testosterone levels checked tested like he goes into this whole he goes into this whole like thing about how like our, there's you know te- our testosterone levels are being decreased because of uh, you know fluoride and, and this and, and like our frying pans and whatever it's like he I don't want to make this personal but there is a, there is this huge like realm of of um, so you know right now for example the response to you know people fighting racism has been a lot of white people saying, well, we're oppressed too, and this is how, you know, this is why we've, how we've been wronged, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, because of, you know, you know, feminism and, you know, women's empowerment and whatnot, you have a lot of men who are saying, well, look at how oppressed we are and look at what society is doing to destroy us. And so I think people like Nabil are actually fear-mongering this and encouraging, kind of promoting this idea that masculinity is under attack and, uh, you know, he literally said something along the lines of, uh, you know, within the next few years, if things keep up uh, without testosterone injections, you won't be able to function as a normal person. He literally said that in the podcast. It's like, bro, what what medicine are you studying? What like, and he, you know who he references? He references a book that's by by this like bodybuilder. Uh, it's got the testosterone optimization therapy Bible. Yeah. T- the T-O-K t- Bible. Yeah, yeah. yeah, testosterone optimization theory Bible. It's like, are you kidding me? You're <clears throat> using this book to say but, that our imams need to be tested for their testosterone levels. I gotta, I gotta ask some clarification because that book it actually has numerous uh, academics on its review board and who've contributed to it. I haven't actually checked the standing of these academics, but they are, uh, for example, registered. See, that's uh, the thing, Joe. There, there's uh, always. PhDs. There's, there's always going to be people who are saying, hey, they say, here, here's the research that supports this and that. Academia has its place, and we, you know, I'm not here to undermine it. But at the same time, when, when, when research comes out, for example, to disprove ideas like this, people dismiss it entirely. So it's like we <laughs> can choose 
what type of research we want and what we don't want. You know what I mean? The, so the, when, tr the yeah. simple truth is that most people who, who aren't in the scientific community, and even people who are in it, if they haven't studied uh, um, how research is conducted, uh, method, method, methodological biases, uh, sources of error, design flaws, all these kinds of things, right? They're not going to really know how what, what is good research versus what is bad research. Uh, what, what is industry biased research versus what is objectively sound research, even if it goes against the grain? Because like, you know, even if you look at uh, research in areas that go against the grain, just because they're going against the grain doesn't mean that they're always sound, like an alternative yeah. health, right? And, and, and especially if you feel, for example, within your own spaces that like, I, f I feel as a man that, you know, I'm under attack. And then <laughs> all this research, you know, there's confirmation bias, as was mentioned by one of the brothers earlier. Um, mm -hmm. If you find research that fits your worldview, you're gonna accept that research, you know. And most most often, you're not even gonna really double check it and criticize it the way that you would if the research disagreed uh, with your preconceived notions. And so the reason why I'm saying that is um, we we have to be really cognizant of the fact that if if so. First of all, I want to clarify something. I'm not saying there's no quote unquote attack on masculinity. Okay. Uh, Definitely, our understanding of concepts like mass, like concepts like masculinity and femininity, are being challenged. These concepts are being challenged, but there's this idea now that like there is no men, manliness is gone. Uh, we're just tra uh, raising a, a generation of 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 you know women, etc. One concept, for example, with you know a lot of these uh, kind of masculinity gurus is um, we need we need to. Um, Actually, I'll take this right from Nabil, right, right from Nabil. He starts out by talking about the way that he brands his website, Becoming the Alpha Muslim. He, he wants to push away uh, women and effeminate men. This is the, that's what he says. He says that in the <clears throat> podcast. So think about this rhetoric that you're starting with immediately. You're saying, I want to push away women and effeminate men. So define what that means to be an effeminate man because for some people for some you know macho masculine guys a, a guy who talks about his feelings expresses emotions cries etc in a healthy way as rasulullah sallallahu did as umar did if you did that to some people that's effeminate that's effeminate to some people it's like no no we don't want these people we want the macho men we want to teach people who really want to be men how to be men you but know? He, you know he he actually clarifies that he says that the alpha Muslim is the Prophet Sallallahu and using, his, as a, using him as a definition of becoming that. And he's saying that we can never be the alpha Muslim if he's defined. I actually don't – I'm not comfortable with him defining Rasulullah Sallallahu as the alpha Muslim. I'm generally exactly. like pretty conservative about like – I only label him the way like he actually will – either Allah labels him or how he labels himself, right? And, and so I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not totally comfortable with that myself. But the point is like the whole – the, the, pro the problem isn't really what's in the content of the podcast. I, I, I think we're like veering off here. People, mm. we had to understand what happened is mm. that people pressured boys in the cave. I bet you 95% of the folks did not listen to that podcast that pressured that bullied them out. Guaranteed. That's the point. But, but who needs Guaranteed. to? Guaranteed. Who needs to? But here's the thing. That's if you're going yeah, to critique Nabil Aziz, part of that critique has to involve the relevant podcast. You see what I mean? <laughs> If but they want to make an argument, yeah. that, hold on. If they want to make an argument that, hold up, we don't even, our argument doesn't depend on having to listen to the, the podcast because our argument is coming from a place of rejecting his credibility altogether, giving him mm -hmm. a platform altogether, then they're going to have to provide some kind of a good, consistent argument. That is 
grounded either in reason, uh, you know, parameters of the Sharia, and not one person did this. I tested but, this, but that's and that's, the, that's well, the except that's it. your yeah. point is Tarek is that he, I'll just he, is that his social media presence on Twitter is a problem. <clears throat> Right. Not just not just Twitter, but Facebook as well. But that's the thing. It's like if you want to criticize the content of the podcast and say you guys shouldn't have done this podcast because the content is bad, then I agree. You have to listen to it and whatnot. But that's not, I think, you know, uh, the main reason for people from what I could see having an issue with the podcast because people were protesting it before the podcast was up. Exactly. They're saying, they're saying he shouldn't be given that platform. And mm-hmm. personally, here's what I would say. If your goal as a podcast or as a service is to educate educate people on a balanced understanding of the dean and you want to set forth the people on your platform as healthy role models, you know, I'm not saying they're perfect because none of us are perfect, but people who generally don't have generally aren't, say, consistently problematic or consistently harmful to the community. If you want to do that then you should avoid bringing up a person who is uh, as intentionally divisive and abrasive uh, as as our brother Nabil. He intentionally uses, you know, things like outrage. <clears throat> he intentionally tries to... This is true. You know, he does. Yeah, he, he does. Tries now, here, here, here's the, the problem. Thing. It's called guerrilla marketing problem. that... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And he, and, he, and he wants hate clicks and he yeah. wants people to... Uh, here's, the, like, here's the problem though, Tarek. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but here's the problem. Now, sure. there are a few things I want to address. The first... I'm going to do is I'm going to address what you're saying now. And then I want to backtrack a little bit to what you mentioned about his sure. points about testosterone and the decline of testosterone. Cause that, that has to do with his image and, and a lot of what you mentioned about that related to his image, yeah. including this whole alpha male uh, concept. So regarding um, bringing him onto, onto the platform to begin with and whether or not that was a good decision. See the boys in the cave, they need, if they wish to move forwards as responsible podcasters, especially if they want to, if they want to represent the pursuit of Islam in a scholastic way, they need to develop a consistent methodology for filtering people's backgrounds. If they don't do this, they're going to fall into these problems re- repeatedly. For example, a lot of people have completely overlooked that not one person really made up made an issue with them bringing on uh, dr muhammad Ginan, whereas other people in other communities like the uk were upset with this because uh, they didn't feel that he he clarified his stance on uh, evolution which is an aqidah issue which therefore has far greater weight than perceived adab issues in in the sharia that is the fact of the matter bad adab has its place has a certain weight but aqidah issues have far greater weight in the sharia so my point is is that if they're going to do these types of things where they're going to uh, claim that they wish to pursue Islamic scholasticism uh, or promote it, it's pursuing, you know, for people to pursue it, they need to be consistent in the standards that they uphold when they're filtering people's backgrounds. Because if they don't, they're going to they're gonna have these double standards where just because social pressures weren't applied when it came to people like Hiran, Oh, they're going to turn a blind eye to the to the objective problems that could be argued exist with someone like him. But then with someone like Nabil, because there are social pressures, they're going to cave. And so, so this is not going to be responsible for them moving forwards. One thing I just want to say. So I, I don't know necessarily Dr. Rilan's uh, stance on evolution and whatnot. Uh, you can check but, on it. It's on his website and most of his writings. Inshallah. Yeah, yeah, but I, I just want to clarify. Like, I'm not sure what those details are. It doesn't uh, matter, Tarek. Tarek, yeah, there's so, yeah. so, there's so many. I'm... There's so many different scholars that we've had on our show. Yeah. Uh, and and the extreme example would be Mufti Abu Layth, who yeah. I consider a friend, but I disagree with him on every 
subject, you know? Uh-huh. He, yeah, that, because, that's what because, I'm saying. Like, I, I don't I, even I, consider I, him a mufti, but I still didn't. I didn't. I didn't lose but, but my, guess what? my head just because no. you brought him up. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And the the problem is, is like I I talk to guys like Mahin and uh, the other people on the on the podcast and just throw an idea out there to see if if anybody would be willing to sure. have him on to explain some of the controversial things that he said. And so, so, all of a sudden, everyone's yeah. like, no, 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 that's gonna you know bring too much heat <clears throat> on us and. You know, from and now I can understand. You know, when we're when we're talking about, you know, not, not censoring ourselves, that's exactly what we're doing. You know, when we when we're worried about what other people think because uh, somehow we feel like we need to get accepted by everyone. I think I think this is where the problem is lying. It's not just about Nabil Aziz. It's about so many different scholars from all around the world who have varying degrees of controversial opinions that they hold. And then all of a sudden, because we want to curry favor from another scholar or another group that we have to all of a sudden censor ourselves because we may be thought of as being on their side. So, so here's a, here's a question that I want to, I want to ask if you're saying it's like, yeah, we don't want to censor ourselves for this reason and that reason. Here's my question. If your goal is through your platform is that you want to bring hearts together on solid principles, you know, not bringing hearts in the, while compromising, but bringing hearts together while comprom- while while staying firm to our principles, setting a good example of the dean. Say something, for example, like the evolution issue. Okay, somebody who might have a, a or or a, you know a, a complicated aqidah issue. That issue might not be as relevant to the masses in their in their kind of lived reality because they don't even understand it. You know, say they, they don't really know anything about evolution, so they're like, "Oh, this guy has that opinion, this and this scholar has another opinion." Well, it's kind of irrelevant to them because like it's not within their playing field. But when it comes to the views that somebody like Nabil has, Nabil's views have a a direct impact on pretty much everybody because you're talking about general perceptions of men and women everybody's affected by this you know what i mean whereas kind of the more maybe for example somebody like uh uh, uh the brother from the uk said abu Layth, um if he's his views for example maybe most people aren't even affected by those issues because they don't even understand that that, that level of disagreement or nuance i don't know if that makes sense um well fahim how would you feel yeah. because right now you, you... <coughs> You're taking <coughs> Nabil's side, and how would you feel if the well, man, but you don't like Mufti Abulayt, you don't like yeah, his views, I, I, okay? I, I wouldn't say I'm taking well, the how, how, how would you how would you feel if I if we brought on uh, Mufti Abulayt? Here's here my take is very simple. I, I, first, I'm not I'm not defending Nabil's approach altogether. I disagree with a lot of things Nabil says and how he says them, but I have the, I have the background knowledge to often filter what point he's trying to get across. I, I've I've studied the red pill community for so many years. I know what he what he's getting at. You know, there are a lot of truths to what he's getting at, but there are also a lot of inaccuracies in the red pill commentary. So it's, it's there's yeah. truths and, and, and falsehoods. So because of that, I'm not going to wholesale say that I defend Nabil's concepts. And I, I'm also not going to say that I wholesale defend his approach. Right. I don't think that Nabil uh, always takes on a prophetic approach. So but let's be real. Oftentimes, if you if you're really objective and you study how he's interacting with his critics, Either he's eye for an eye, okay, he's no worse than them, or often he's even more tame than them. Now, it, it still looks ugly because the whole thing is ugly, right? You punch someone once, they punch you three times, you still kind of look ugly for punching them once, right? You still kind of look ugly. But it's not the case that he's often 
the ugliest and you know the biggest bully in the room uh, where he's doing the, the greatest uh, uh, crimes. I don't think that's always the case. So, Well, he, here's one thing. He is affecting a market that no other scholar, no other Muslim, I would argue, can affect in the world. No. And, and he, he, no, I don't yes. think so. I don't think no, no, no. no. If you, if, no. If, what, do you, he, what do you mean, though? You, you he, mean? Was on, he was on Cern, Cernovich's uh, podcast, and being on Mike Cernovich's podcast is oh, oh, you a mean, pretty you big mean, deal. The mean, getting, getting a yeah, certain the, audience. Yeah, and he was explaining what, what the, the Muslim position on okay, okay, various okay. different things. And, yeah. and yeah. Uh, But guess what? That excuse is given to other activists all around the country. Yeah, you know, all Muslims, Muslim scholars will give a, a, a yeah. certain yeah. sister many, many, a hundred excuses because well, I mean, she's sir. affecting a certain <laughs> segment of the uh, of the American population that no See, Muslim the, can. And the thing is, he doesn't Muslims, get that same thing. Most Muslims don't even know what Cernovich believes. How many Muslims can say that they read the book Guerrilla Mindset? I, I guarantee not even five percent of Muslims have read Mike Cernovich's books on right. self-help and 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 how to become a better man. Out of all the so-called right-wing activists, he's probably one of the least relevant when it comes to bashing Islam. He doesn't really focus on Islam. Uh, yeah, he has all... plenty of other problematic views other than bashing Islam. Yeah, he's like, a kafir. Sure. He's a kafir. I mean, no, he's not. That's, not, that's not the. That's yeah, not it is. The, that's the biggest I'm problem. Saying, I'm saying this in the context. <laughs> of, see, see, I'm see, Tarek, you're saying that, and I used to be just like you when I, when I first when I when Nabil was first telling me about Cernovich, I'm like, oh, that's a alt right guy, and I don't want to. No, I don't no, even want to entertain not him. And and then I actually. Listen to a well, few of these uh, um, podcasts that Cernovich that's, puts that, out. That's not and I was my like, issue. oh well, he's you know he's not all that bad. You know, obviously they're going to have disagreements with with Islam, but you know that's that's, so that's, that's not my issue. So here, here's the, here's what, the point what's your that I what's your issue? About. What's your issue, brother? Yeah. So here here's the issue that we have to understand, especially for young Muslim men. A lot of them are being pulled into this kind of quote unquote like dark uh, the, the the what 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 is it called right now like the the the, the manosphere. No, not the manosphere. It's like the, the dark, not the dark web, but something like the, the kind of the, that's that's next level. No, no, no. It's it's <laughs> called the dark dark something. Intellectual but, uh, dark web. I don't know what you're talking intellectual about. Intellectual dark web. I think that's what it is. Oh, are, you talking are, you about... are you talking about like the Alex Jones type? Exactly. Not to no, that no. extreme, but when you're are talking, you talking about, about the, the Sam Shapiro. Harris, which which personality are you talking about? The the Shapiros, the Sam Harris, yeah, et that's, the, that's the intellectual dark web. Yeah, so the people who are kind of representative of that kind of anti-SJW, mm. anti-liberalism, yeah, anti-feminism, yeah, yeah. a lot of young Muslim men are being pulled into this kind of vortex of that online space. Because they're, they're being tired pulled... of, of, of the, the same old, same old that they keep on getting. And I, and I, under, and the, I understand the, on, the same spiel that they keep getting from uh, and I Muslim leaders. <laughs> So I, I understand that. So I definitely agree that there are issues that are being under addressed and under uh, uh, kind of uh, discussed in the Muslim space, especially for young Muslim men. But here's the issue. <clears throat> when you have, for example, figures like, for example, Nabil, who, who normalize figures like Cernovich, what that ends up doing is that normalizes that whole space becomes more normalized. So that might sound like it's a. But stretch. how is that different yeah. from normalizing liberalism and, and I don't know. The, so, the various so, oh, Muslim activists? That. Yes. Thank you for saying that. I'm so tired of that excuse. It's so fallacious when you're saying things like, it's like well, you know, what's wrong with that? What's wrong? What's, uh, you know, or, or it, you're, are you trying to say two wrongs don't make a right? You're saying well, that's wrong too. So therefore, this is. So it's like we're not we're, we don't need to bring this in where it's a competition between you know the, the quote unquote. Well, the difference is, Tarek, is that you're more it's more easy for you to to uh, 
<laughs> to condemn Nabil Aziz types, whereas the establishment has already had no, so, their so favorite. The and and you, you, you wouldn't be willing to come on here and bash another scholar who is propagating a, a uh, activist that is antithetical to our beliefs. So so here's 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 my thing. It's not about who we're going to support or who we're going to go against. That's not the point that I'm making. Right now, we're talking about a specific issue, which is this quote-unquote intellectual dark web, <laughs> which is which is, you know, the kind of alt right. You know, I'm I'm using that term loosely because, you know, I know a lot of people in that space don't like it. Uh but um when you view for example the tactics of people like our brother Nabil and some other figures in the Muslim community, who are we know I think who we're referring to they use a lot of the same tactics as the people in that space right. and regardless <clears throat> if it's popular or not to bash them regardless if it's easier to to bash them than liberalism if we're going to focus on this issue we have to recognize that a lot of young muslim men who for example they might feel sympathetic to things like anti-feminism anti-liberalism anti-sjwism whatever you want to say they feel sympathetic to these things so they go to the people who are talking about it and then they adopt a lot more than just their talking their their correct talking points they adopt their mannerisms they adopt other beliefs within that space and i'm saying that people like our brother nabil make that easier they normalize that especially when you see the, <laughs> his entire method of of building an audience it's in the same way that these people do when you see for example the way that he strawmans different or different uh, groups even in the podcast that we're referring to that was uh, you know the, the the boys in the cave podcast when he was talking about the quote unquote muslim feminist so he started off by talking about uh, how you know uh, muslim sisters are waiting too long to get married and then when the muslim when they want to get married he's like they're they're like they're they're fat and ugly and this it's like dude why do you have to go in there like why do you add these extra terms and it shows a level of like demonization and and kind of uh, contempt for our sisters that we just shouldn't have like if if we're saying that the the the, that the, the brothers and the sisters right the <clears throat> men and the women of our ummah if we're saying we're one family we have to realize that this divisive rhetoric is othering our siblings in faith it's harmful to us it's changing the way that we perceive the group so many men just have, they view all women now uh, so many you know, muslim men and and the by fact, the way the fact of the matter is you a lot of you, know, you mentioned a very interesting point you said othering our siblings it's like most of us if we're honest with ourselves we can admit that our adab to our own family is not up to par according to the sunnah of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi we do we other our own family members in in our own relationship we, i can admit that Every, everyone here should be able to admit that because we are sinners uh, may Allah forgive us for that. Um, and I understand, I appreciate what you're saying here because part of the prophetic method, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, is mercy, and mercy requires that you reach this level of love for Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, where you are willing to try to show that mercy to others, even if they're not they're not going to reciprocate it to you. Of yeah. course, you, there's a place where we have our rights with principle, with principle, with principle. We, we maintain principle. Our, our principles. We, we, we maintain our, our our rights and their rights according to the Sharia, which sometimes includes. The, uh, the the right to correct right and yeah. to enjoin the good and forbid the evil yeah. according to how our scholars the fuqaha have have, have shown now what i see what, when nabil says these types of things like um when he mentioned oh they studied feminist dance theory like that one clip and then they wasted their life they made choices that end, made them end up being uh undesirable for marriage relative to if they were they made other choices and instead of owning up to that and working on that you know now they they expect uh, the highest status men to give them 
uh, you know, a free pass and to accept them. So they're entitled. And then he said something like their eggs are. So what I just said right now, that was paraphrasing. That wasn't exactly what he said. Mm-hmm. But I do remember what he said was their eggs are dried up and they're fat. Something something like that. Right? Yeah. It's like, you so, don't talk about your sisters <clears throat> like that, man. If they're actually your sisters, like we're not saying you have to like somebody in the chat said, uh, uh, they said sarcastically, yes, we need to worship the sisters. They can do that. <laughs> Nobody's no, saying that. No, man. no one's saying that. No one's saying that. No, he, the, here's the thing, though. He's not talking about because he's talking about a specific type. The, a specific, you, you know, the, 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 uh, the reality is the, the example Nabil mentioned is a widespread issue. Like it it's, is. it's not like yeah. that sister does not exist. That's like a lot of people. And when you're yep. making the argument, you're going to use that because he's got to drill the point home. Yeah. So he's yeah, not I, calling. I understand that. You know what I'm saying? But here's the, thing. the prophetic method doesn't require that we deny realities. There is no doubt. I've encountered these sisters myself, man. When I was trying to find a super woman, They're, they exist. And, and they are no different than any other human who is dysfunctional. They are a product of dysfunctional conditioning, right? Parents or teachers or socializing that has created these mentalities in them. So, the, but the prophetic method it doesn't require that we deny reality. But what it does is, is it, it it helps us confront those realities with mercy. And so it's like it's there's so many there were so many situations where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he could have he could have labeled an actual reality like there were munafik, right, who who lied to his face when he he was on on his horse returned from a battle and they came to him. And they said we couldn't go to war because of so and so reasons. And in his in his heart, he knew that they were liars, but he didn't he didn't call them out. That was a re- he could have, and he he was he was the one man who had all every right to. We could never question him for doing so, but he still chose in that particular situation to keep that truth to himself or to express a truth. Often, not that he didn't do it concisely, but with understanding the human condition, and so. Nabil, one thing that we have to understand is that when Nabil says these things, this is not how we ourselves should say things to people if we want them to change, right? I don't, I don't know if Nabil himself would say this to a sister he, he really wants to change. I myself wouldn't even mm-hmm. say this as a commentary, let alone to someone directly if I want them so, to change. So that's the key, right? Is like, who are you actually trying to reach? Nabil is not trying to reach, reach, you know, to those sisters, for example, and build a bridge and try to convince them to change. That's not what he's doing. And so I, I want to move it just not just specifically <coughs> about Nabil, but in general, the way that we talk about these things. When you talk about um, um, when we're demonizing, for example, liberals or feminists or whatever, um, sometimes we're saying, OK, we're not trying to reach those people. We're trying to strengthen our own people. We're trying to give our side the arguments to go against these people and to debate with them and whatnot. We're trying to strengthen <coughs> our in-group's iman. That's the way that some of them pose it. So, for example, somebody like Nabil might say his goal isn't to reach those types of women. He's trying to equip men with tools to handle these encounters. And so what I say simply to that is that, like you said, if we don't have mercy in our dialogue, the mentality that you're giving that in-group is that of animosity. You're giving them a mentality of, of, uh, of, you know, of mm-hmm. othering your brothers and sisters in Islam. Uh, <clears throat> some, somebody said, for example, like, we have to condemn equally the liberals and the the the, the quote unquote kind of conservatives or the right. I would we say proportionally. I would say proportionally. We, all listen, we could criticize anybody who who you know goes against Islamic principles exactly and, and is speaking on behalf of Muslims or on behalf of Islam. We have we and they're doing this in the public space. We have a right to discuss that, <clears throat> criticize that in, in, in a respectful manner, condemn that that which we disagree with if it's necessary. 
-hmm. Nobody has an issue with that. The problem is so often that people now that are quote unquote on this on the right or the conservative or that are quote unquote traditional, they get a free pass because of what the liberal Muslims are doing. That's what my issue is, is that now it's like, well, there's so many people on this like liberal uh, uh, fist that, you know, whatever, these people on the right are not so bad. Well, it's the thing is, is it's, it's, I don't think you're, you're oversimplifying it, Tarek. I think there, I think people would be more inclined uh, to be more supportive of the, the norm if there were scholars who were actually talking mm -hmm. about the, the issues that they're, they're concerned with. But okay, the, the, I, I the, the, make the scholars are giving a blind eye to it. So they've kind of taken a hard right. And Not only like, that, yeah. I want to give you an example. Okay. I want to give you a specific yeah. example. Sure, okay? sure. Three, about two or three years ago, a, sh a scholar who I would say is probably in the top five or ten well-known scholars in North America, right? Mm, yeah. uh, very well-known. Um, and so I, I'm pitching him to come on the podcast. And he actually, uh, at some point, did he, he did come on. But I'm pitching him, and we're talking, and he's I'm showing him the feed. And this is where we're pretty new. Nabil's episode is probably like three months old. So he looks at it, and he's like, who's Nabil Aziz? And I'm like, you know, he's got this blog called Becoming the Alpha Muslim, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he's got a podcast too. He's like, yeah, I don't like him. He's a misogynist. He's a racist, you know? And then we get to talk a little bit. I'm like, well, I think you got to know the, know the guy a little bit. And then we kind of digress. We started talking about somebody else. We talked about somebody who actually, I was like, well, I also try to get balanced where we, I invited on a, a certain individual who actually, uh, went on MLI. Right. And that individual later <laughs> we, we even found out was having an affair in MLI. And I mentioned this to this specific sheikh, like, oh, yeah, we're trying to balance it out. We're, I invited, uh, I invited um, them on too. And he was like, oh, yeah, you know, you know, I don't agree with everything they do, but they're, you know, they're, 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 they do a lot of good points, you know, and this and that. And with Nabil, he was very harsh. He's a misogynist. He's a racist. With mm -hmm. this random, like, liberal like Zania, MLI, MLI, MLI person, okay. he who was like super the, soft, who, right? Who supports the existence of Israel, right? And so, like, I, and I remember I was talking, I was talking to Sheikh Hamza Makbul about this after I got back. I was like, Sheikh Hamza, this is what this is what went down, and Sheikh Hamza is like, here's the problem, man. The thing with Nabil is, if you give him, if I give him advice on like adab or akhlaq or akida, or say this is kufr, man, he will heed my advice. If I tell so and so MLI activist, yeah, yeah, that's, she that's will true. justify her way out of it. <clears throat> that's true, okay. and that's so, my problem. Yeah, yeah. I, I gotta admit, whenever I've I've done, and I've, I've I can guarantee that uh, Mahin, Imran, and I have tried actually correcting Nabil more than anyone else to his face. We have done it way more than anyone else. Nine percent of the time, he's he's heeded my criticisms publicly or privately, right? Because yes. okay. he will Same he now. will tend to respect you if he thinks you can reason. That's what I noticed. Right. About and him. not just that, not snipe at him from from you know subtweets and, or and something. Not to, not to mischaracterize him. Yeah, right? you you want you want to talk to him directly. He he's always available okay, and so, he's always taken so any anything that. I've given him. He's always like, you know what, you're you're exactly right. That and he'll he'll admit whatever yeah. he needs needs to be admitted. You know. I, I want to mention two things. I want to first respond to something regarding Nabil. And by the way, I just want to also put this disclaimer out there. When we're talking right now about this subject, the reason isn't to be like, oh, look how bad of a person Nabil is. We're criticizing a general approach uh, to kind of social issues for the sake of, of you know, 
kind of improving the discourse that both we and other people have. You know what I mean? Because, you know, we're using Nabil maybe because he's a little bit louder than other people. Yeah. Uh, but he's, uh, he's done this to himself, man. <laughs> yeah, so, so, no, make no bones about it. Yeah. He, I mean, there's, there's no tears for him. He knows. Yeah. He knows exactly what he's done. Yeah. He know he, he knows his tweets that he he puts yeah. out. Yeah. He knows they're gonna create the, <clears throat> he, the effect he that he it. wants. He owns it. Yeah, yeah like so. what ha- what happens in the public space? You know, it's 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 all you know in general fair play in general uh, to be criticized in public. So, for example. If somebody's going to say, look, the, if somebody has a visceral reaction to somebody like Nabil, for example, maybe because they, he makes tweets like that, like essentially when he insinuated, and I know Mahin like knows what's coming, uh, but like, for example, the insinuate, not the insinuation, pretty much directly saying that Muslim women who study Sharia, who study like, for example, <clears throat> yep. whether in a secular or in a traditional institution, They'll end up removing their hijabs and dating non-Muslims. Completely, completely, it was a completely uh, an incorrect, wrong, and, and morally and, deprived statement. And, he, and he knows this. And the thing is, he kept it up, and he even re-retweeted it recently. Like oh, I didn't know like, that part. He I did. He, I checked his timeline today. It was recently retweeted. So oh he, my goodness. So the thing yeah. is, so, somebody might laugh and say, "Oh my God, that's so bad." But other people, man, it's like it's like, look, I'm genuinely offended. And it's genuinely. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that he's a misogynist, but that is definitely a misogynist statement. That is. That is definitely misogynistic. There, there were uh, sheikhs who are traditionally trained, who I believe um, he has respected in the past publicly. They've corrected him, you know. So, it, I don't. I don't understand why. I haven't seen because that. There's, there's no way. Dar, dar, he, there's, yeah. if, you're, if you're trying to get, get us to say, like, you know, we condemn those statements. Like, there's a million things I can condemn no, no, that no, he, say, know, he said. No, 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 I know. That, that's but not the, the issue here. The, reason the issue why is, is, is the shutdown of discourse. The shutdown <laughs> no, but, of discourse by well, by social justice warriors. We, like, we need to, we, we need to be we able to talk. To do we have to have discourse of any nature on our platforms? No. We our platforms, for example, like the Mad Mamluks, Boys in the Cave, you know, other respected platforms, there should be some level of 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 you know respect that the figures who come on these platforms carry with themselves <laughs> in the public. Now here's the thing. We're all gonna slip up. We're all gonna make mistakes. But there's a difference between, you know, a few mistakes along the way as a normal human being makes versus somebody who continuously aggressively tries to evoke negative reactions out of the Muslim community. That's like, for example, we're all here saying that's an awful statement, but he's completely fine. He's completely fine putting it out there. And I don't care if he disagrees with it. I don't even care. Like, I don't even know if he believes it or not at this point, but the fact that he puts it out there that normalizes it for other people. We have youth that see this and think that this is okay. This is how you become a alpha Muslim by degrading. He's constantly. Do you really think any, any youth think that's okay? I think a hundred percent. I know, I know people who actually, you know, follow his page and they just think it's funny and they just like, okay, have a good laugh over it. And you know, this is, this is, this is important because this brings us to another uh, conversation, which is number one, you can you can make these points regarding irresponsible public behavior of Nabil Aziz, mm-hmm. um, and, and then we have to talk about the the due diligence on anyone who chooses to follow him and the implications of his some of his irresponsible public actions on him being invited to podcasts. We have to talk about that because really, otherwise, all we're doing is we're describing observable phenomenon, aka what what does Nabil Aziz do on Twitter, and we're doing that selectively too because. Even when people were trying to assess his track record, they didn't look at the fact that, okay, he's saying these really silly things, outright morally abhorrent things, but he's also 
bringing on women for podcasts and interviews and he's 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 showing them respect while he's interviewing well, them i i, I right? don't so, doubt that he has respect for some you know i i don't doubt you so know, what i'm what i'm getting at That's, is yeah. this is not about saying that therefore the things he did wrong are, are okay rather what it is is that what i said in the beginning had to do with people needing to learn how to frame reality correctly in a balanced yeah. way Right. And, if we, and, if exactly. we don't do that, then we're going to we're going to be trapped in these reactionary uh, states of affair where we're, we're going from, you know, being outraged at the left, the left to then, you know, being being more prone to being uh, influenced by the right just because we're, we're fed up instead of creating an alternative for us. There's a sister in the comments. She said something really important. I'm going to read her comment. Though. She said the various mischaracterizations of Sydney's Muslims who express concerns, for example, as the left are part of the problem. The polarization of outright and left is harmful and problematic. I like that because it's true. We have in Islam a set of principles that we're supposed to use to gauge what is true and what is false. Haq and batil. That's it. Everything else we have to be objective about. And we're, we're human beings and different human beings have different levels of training. Different human, human beings are at different levels with their nafs. And therefore, there, some, some are more likely, as you said, to be influenced by him retweeting what he said. Others are going to be able to filter what he said and, and not read into it. But yeah, our we job, have to discuss what is the due job, diligence. Our job with exactly people who have the platforms. We have our, to discuss it's, that. It's our responsibility as people with the platform to realize that we have to be kind of the gatekeepers of making sure that, that people like him, who could easily be attractive to vulnerable and less knowledgeable people, we have to make sure that they're not getting that exposure. Look, maybe there are certain situations where somebody like <clears throat> has some benefit to offer. I don't doubt that. Sure. But this is the measure where you're like, is, is, the, is the harm better or is the benefit better? You know, and uh, mm -hmm. I just think that people like him, because like, like you guys <clears throat> mentioned, this is the point that was mentioned by Sim, for example, multiple times. There's so few people talking about these subjects, right? So Absolutely. when somebody like him comes out and is seemingly very, you know, uh, uh, vocal and outspoken, whatever, people are going to get attracted to that. But I want to be clear. There are people talking about these subjects. There are. They might not be as loud. They might not be as abrasive. But they are shout being. Out, shout out to Focus 180. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. So there are people who are speaking about these subjects in much more Tark, balanced manners. Tarek, um, one thing I wanted to say is that all too often throughout my life, I've seen many, many people like this who were isolated or made into <laughs> a pariah. And they just got worse. And, yep. and and well, that's one of the dangers you also have to think about that, you know, if you want to uh, ostracize him and, you know, not bring him into the conversation, oh, no. someone who's actually has, you know, tradition, uh, um, he's grounded in tradition that, that when you give him advice, he <clears throat> will accept it. Yeah. This yeah. is somebody who you can actually work with rather than just, you know, um, you can work with them. You can him work under the bus. Them. You can work with yeah. them and utilize them in specific spaces, right? That's mm -hmm. I, I'm not saying they have to be boycotted and shunned from the entire community. But okay. you have to That's recognize fair. what type of platforms they should be brought on and which they shouldn't. So, for example, for example, uh, you know, maybe it would be if somebody wanted to bring him, for example, on a podcast. Maybe you don't have him speak about a subject that you know he's extremely problematic, uh, problematic with. Maybe you put a disclaimer at the beginning. There's a lot of things that you could yeah. do to yeah. lessen these things. <clears throat> at now, the same the time, per personally, by the way, I'm not saying I advocate for that. I'm still, I'm still saying that we, we, we shouldn't. Yeah. Also, I like the comment that's, that's saying that I'm, me wanting to shut down Nabil 
is uh is making me a white knight like are you not (laughs) have you not been here for this conversation there's there's one thing i want to say too like um as far because like i personally like so you know nabil and i connected like the first podcast i remember when we first had him on sim like the week before is like hey we're having this guy from this thing called becoming the alpha muslim and i binged a bunch of his stuff i think he did a interview with nor jodan between arabs and then he was on with another show so I was like, and I and I vibed with him, right? But he's always been someone I've reached out to for like personal advice because like, I think he's got, <coughs> like he's got strong characteristics. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going home. I'm not yelling at my wife. I'm not, you know, you know, you know, doing that kind of stuff. I think it takes a level of <coughs> we expect a level of maturity from our listeners that they should be able to decipher the good from the bad because not everybody's perfect, right? But, but, but it's not rocket science, you know what I mean? If these, if these young yeah. kids, like, if, if people are going to, like, use Nabil's, like, Twitter antics and, like, just do that and, like, I mean, that's because they want to, they, they're looking for an excuse to, that's a cop-out in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, they're, the dude is bringing benefit in a way that, it reminds me of a story. Like, when I was in my hardcore selfie days, right, this is 2006, I uh, was telling one of my, one of my former teachers, like, oh, I, I'm going to listen to Sheikh Hamza Yusuf. And he was like, you know, he was not happy about it. But I was like, listen, this guy can get me to do certain things. Like, the way he talks is articulating things that I'm able to, like, remove certain diseases from I, that I feel like certain, like, issues that I have. And he's like, nobody else can do that? I'm like, no, there's something about him that works. He's like, all right, cool. Just listen to that part then. Like, that, that's fine. So I think people need to have maturity to be able to filter what is knowingly good and knowingly bad, right? And I, and I think that's what it goes back to. Yeah. What I one thing I, I do want to talk about though is this whole idea. So we we touched on a little bit when as content creators we bring on somebody on a platform, okay? And then we so Sim and I we we Mad Mumble through the process. <laughs> we'll interview somebody. Sometimes the interview will not be good, and we will not release it, okay? But once we release it, we have then said that this meets our stamp of approval. And the fact that people could bully boys in the cave out of it, like this guy named Will in Australia, right? I mean, the fact of the matter is that Sheikh I met three years ago, like even though he didn't like Nabil at all, he never used that. Who's Will? Will's this dude in Australia that they were saying that like he's like he basically posted that. Wait, he's just a random Joe? I think he's like an activist or something, right? Okay. Right? He's nowhere near the level of this dude of uh, the Dai that I interacted with three years ago mm-hmm. who didn't like Nabil. But he was like, I will warn people against boys in the cave. Like, that is bullying. I mean, and that's a level of immaturity yeah. in our community. Yeah. Like, they put it up on their platform. Yeah, 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 Let it sure. be. <clears throat> put up disclaimer up later. Like, oh, we don't agree that, with some of this stuff. That that's a huge problem. Forum. That entire forum, it's called Initiative Samarkand. I, I, I was in there. I was commenting left, right, and center, man. Not a single person, I can't remember a single person who provided a, a single measured comment. There was mockery. There was slander. There was hypocritical behavior. There was selective outrage. You know, that's all I saw in that group. And so that was my problem. It wasn't about validating the things that Bill said. It was about people's state and how they react. Because at the end of the day, not one person can answer the question, if we lived in a Kirafa, would the Sharia courts ban Nabil Aziz from speaking publicly? Could they actually prove that? Could they prove that it's haram to bring him onto a podcast? Is it haram for any podcast or is it in particular cases? And, and Tariq, uh, he, you were nuanced because you were talking about issues that would be considered by the fuqaha before they, they, they pass a verdict. Like what would be the net outcome? 
the, 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 the net harm versus the net good. That's something that the fuqaha would consider. And before they determined that, they would actually study the reality soundly, right? They wouldn't just pass these blanket generalizations that, yes, it, there is a net harm because uh, we see that on this particular forum, people were sad. And therefore, we know that there's a net harm. If we, if we were to show that to a, a data scientist, they would, they would be like, that's ridiculous. I, I've studied data science, right? So when I, when I try to actually quantify reactions like this, it's very hard to in social, in social context. I think to myself, well, that, that would be a, a terrible way to go about quantifying the ground reality, the ground effects, because no, no journal would accept that as, as, a, as a sound conclusion. So if we're supposed to be such sincere people of, of da'wah and, and, and seekers of the truth, why would we therefore have such loose standards when it comes to dealing with a Muslim? We're not even supposed to do that with a non-Muslim, right? We might dislike certain Muslims, but we still have to extend certain etiquette to them. That goes for Nabil Aziz as well. He has to do that to other people too. Well, but and, and there was others a, should do yeah. that to him. Others should do that to him, right? We all make this argument that, look, uh, just because uh, the situation is bad for men in some cases, does, that doesn't mean that they should fall prey to the to the rhetoric in the outright and they should be better than this. So we want them to be at this higher standard, but how many of us are at that higher standard when we're dealing with those frustrated guys? I, I try to be, yeah. you know, in well, my well, free time. Fahim, here's the thing. When you look at the behavior of Nabil's opposite, the selfie feminist, she yeah, gets a free, she gets a free pass. She gets a, she gets she, a free pass. She, she's called out scholars. She's made campaigns. Not like a campaign, organized campaign, but like you know, calling out a scholar, writing a big big (coughs) expose where you know, just more most recently, remember the Sheikh Walid Basuni thing, Mahin, where you know, yeah, yeah, it was like a you know, he he's she alluded to him, you know, being a a, 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 what's that called? She she, she was very disrespectful publicly. Yeah, Ustad Abdul Shakur Brooks was very chill, and I and I called her out very very sternly on that. On that thread, and and you know she didn't say any further. Even I think Siraj was there. I hope that didn't offend well, them, well, him. But well, point that's, is, that's the thing. You know, she she she, she gets she gets a free pass because yeah. of her husband being, you know, a, a, a very active dai, and and mm-hmm. many many people don't uh, don't criticize her. But she she's made false <clears throat> accusations about uh, other you know personalities having. Uh, secret weddings and things like that. She gets a free pass, yeah, and that, she gets a free that, pass through and through. And and, and through through. most people aren't willing to do the same to that. And that's what I'm talking about. That there's this uh, because there's it's called it's kind of like a, a virtue signaling that's going on. Like oh you okay. know it, you know every everyone gang up on the easy target, but the difficult one is yes. And I, I agree. You know if if that is your principal stance you, and you're doing <clears throat> that, but I, I feel like you should be. What are the Just commentators? Equal, uh, there should be an Absolutely. equal level of criticism towards the opposite end of the spectrum, what, and that's not I happening. Like, I don't like using the word equal simply because just like equal outcomes aren't always fair, or equal opportunities opportunities aren't always fair, what I like to say instead is proportional, because yeah. proportional has more to do with what's the actual state of affairs in the reality. Well said. Um, what someone said in the comments that, oh, I call out to the Salafi feminist, therefore it shows she doesn't get a free pass. Well, I just said that I call her out, right? Most of us here do call her out. That's, it's not that no one calls her out. Rather, the trend is that the majority of people's focus and attention, more often than not, would always go to Nabil in a very disproportionate way versus going to the Salafi feminist, even if by Sharia standards, she did something worse. Okay, so right? I, 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 I want to ask a question. Why are we, sure. like, like we're assuming right now that 
all of these parts all of these parties are are equally wrong equally harmful is that is that what we're assuming no 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 we're not that's why i said proportional we have to measure the proportional okay. so so that's the thing right is when we're saying then well why do these people get a pass and these people don't well isn't it just possible that one side is viewed from the from the perspective of these people as being significantly more harmful is that, that not a possibility that, that rather is, than saying that, it's that, Rather actually, than saying it's virtue signaling. It's no, no, that actually is the explanation because there's no other sensible yeah. explanation. However, that doesn't change the fact that that being the possibility and that actually being the explanation is problematic. The fact that people do have these perceptions that, oh, one side is just more harmful when, like I mentioned earlier, they haven't actually verified that indicates a problematic state. I mean, of course, there's biases, uh, you know, right. at play. And th- biases. Th- th- this goes like the Fukaha, that. right? Like the Fukaha, tra- people who are trained, they have a responsibility to actually verify what is the reality. Is it actually true that so-and-so is more harmful? Because if it's not true and we treat them as if they are more harmful, we are doing an injustice, right? That's what would be entailed by that approach. However, if it is true, then, of course, there is there is merited, uh, there, are, there are merited ways of, of, of dealing with that. Mm-hmm. So, so just what I'll just say about that is because this was also mentioned, you know, a few times throughout this podcast is like, you know, why are we criticizing one side and not the other? Okay. True. Here's one thing that I want to highlight. <coughs> we have to recognize which battles are, we can't fight every single fight. First of all, no, we can't. Stop- Tarek, can you, can, Tarek, yeah. can you go on the record and condemn selfie feminists for calling men fat pigs? Muslim Wait, men. She, she called. She said, like, Muslim, "All Muslim men are fat pigs." Muslim men are fat pigs. In several of her tweets, she said, that. "I think, I think, I one hundred percent, I one hundred percent condemn anybody who would generalize men or women in a, with a with a derogatory, insulting term." So if that's what she said, if if, if she said that term as a generalization about men, Wait, who, I, I, I don't, I don't think she said pig, but she said no, like she's made fun of, she's body shamed them essentially. Let, let me just is, say that utilizing I mean, the if, word if fat. This, if this statement is so, uh, any negative generalization about any group, right? Any negative, any negative generalization about any group, like, like for example, of all men or all women, I one hundred percent condemn that without a doubt. Right. Like that, that, that's that, that, that's what's been missing though. That's why a lot of people are upset that like, hey, this is not we're not seeing as as Fahim said a proportional level of of criticism on both ends of the spectrum. So. I, I think that's a, that, that's where we can where we can agree on that that there's there's not an equal level of criticism that's See, happening on what, both. One ends. of the aims of the Sharia, mm-hmm. when it's imp- applied, when, when it comes to the justice and mercy that the Sharia brings, is to establish equilibrium. And Tarek made an interesting point. He said that um, some young men may feel so disenfranchised and lonely because of the the ex- ex- uh, extreme nature. Of the of the progressive groups that they see around them, that they think that they have nowhere else to go except to right wing groups. Now he was mentioning this, and I think you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in the context of that doesn't therefore mean that they should see their decision as justified. That just because the left is wrong doesn't mean that they can they can therefore see that the right is validated. And I agree yeah. with that from yeah. from a logical point of view. That's true. My teachers they mentioned the same point, but I think that at the same time. If we want to establish equilibrium, which is one of the, the aims of the Sharia, we have to show these guys empathy because we did that for the sisters when we said, oh, well, because we're not we're not just men, we're not just stewards, women are going to continue going to feminism. This was rhetoric that was widespread. And unless men, Muslim men do their part, we're giving women no alternatives. And I agree that that, likewise, if we were to use Tariq's reasoning, 
is also flawed, right? Because they would also have to be accountable, just as some of the female Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, were. You know, they were oppressed by the Quraysh, but the Rasul, sallallahu was enough for them, right? And the guys, by the same token, have to have that attitude that, look, I might be being abandoned by other people, other Muslims, but did Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa abandon me? Did, did other great scholars in history abandon me? Why shouldn't I care about the good they did and use that as my motivation to stay true to orthodoxy? Mm-hmm. That should be our, our mindset. Problem is, realistically speaking, most people, they just don't have the resources to develop that mindset. So we have to show yeah. empathy. We have to show empathy to yeah. everyone who feels disenfranchised. Otherwise, we end up doing the very exactly. thing that we criticize these so-called outright bros for doing, which is otherizing. Yeah. Right? We're otherizing exactly. them. Exactly, and you and you push them towards these problematic ideologies, <clears throat> these 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 conclusions that are intellectually compromised from the Islamic lens. Absolutely. Uh, and so it's like we have to um, we have we 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 have to recognize that. By the way, these are yeah. no, okay. is, is is uh, is my voice clear when yes. I'm speaking? Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So when we say, for example, that you know going after for example the right or going after whoever is an easy target and it's harder to crim- to, to criticize the liberals or it's harder to criticize the feminists or something like that we could say that or we could recognize for example the type like we sometimes our language is tailored to the audience that's actually listening right so if i sit here on the mad mamluks for example and i say or, or to even a, to a, a general audience of muslim men okay Mm-hmm. Like let's say we'll say practicing Muslim Muslim men, and I sit and criticize feminism. Who's going to disagree? Plenty of people are going to. Oh yeah, man, for sure. Keep going, keep going. That's. <coughs> but for us to sit, for example, in this type of space, mm-hmm. and and say within within, for example, a conservative space, and uh, 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 criticize, for example, people from within our own group. So, for example, our brother Sim, you mentioned that you know, uh, you know, somebody like Nabil or whoever is speaking from you know within the tradition, right? Whereas you know these other people it might not be from within the tradition. If you're speaking from within the tradition, we'll criticize you and discuss within the space of the tradition. If people are are, are building their logic and their thought process from outside the tra- the tradition, there's no mm-hmm. point in me using the tradition to sit and debunk them. Yeah. So I'm going to sit and talk about the people. So your audience, by the way, your audience of, the, for example, this show, the Mad Mamluks. Wait, can you can you clarify that last statement that you wouldn't use the tradition to debunk them? Meaning you're saying that since you're not on the same page to begin with. Exactly. So if, exactly. So I mean, if I'm going to exactly. So if I'm going to sit, I'm not saying we shouldn't. Of course we should. Okay. But I'm saying if I sit and use the tradition to prove why you're wrong, that's they're not going to accept that basis. So it's like true. I have to connect with them in it. I'm still going to use that as the foundation, but you're going to have to tailor. Yeah. Yeah, but you're gonna have to tailor the conversation a different way. So to give you an example, uh, <clears throat> Luke's audience, bro, they're, I'm, I'm sure they're very receptive to criticism of feminism and criticism of liberalism and cri- criticism of SJWs. I'm very sure that they're receptive to that. But if you tell them, hey, within the quote unquote right and within the conservative circle that we have things to improve on, that we need to be more empathetic, that's suddenly, oh, you're a white knight. Oh, you're, you're sucking up to these, belie- to these people. It's a joke, man. It's like we need to focus on everybody has to know their audience and who they're meant to. Be. <clears throat> so what I teach to focus on 180 is that accountability is the standard that a man needs to hold himself to accountability and reasoning, too. So if someone if someone calls me a white, anyone in the comments, they want to call me a white knight. Come on the show right now. Say to my face and we'll debate it. Um, <laughs> yeah, honestly, I guarantee you're not going to be able to stand behind that. But if you want to, you can try. Why? Because I have faith in logic, reason, and principles, because they don't lie. Math doesn't lie, right? If you're accountable to math, 
if you're accountable to logic, you can't lie. You see what I mean? If you do, you're going to be exposed in your lies. So for someone to for someone to use these words in such an irrational and, and reactionary way just shows that they lack training to the very standard that they think that they're following, which is masculinity. Because you're not being accountable. You're not actually being accountable to reason, right? So I think that you're right in that people who are who are following these movements, they're not going to get that far if the movement itself doesn't offer them the correct training. They're going to only they're going to start being like, yes, I found I found something that bashes feminism and, and it makes me feel more confident. But it's not giving me anything more than that. It's not giving me the correct process that I can follow and become a competent man. And so I think that while we're talking about, you know, the problems with these movements, we should we should we should really talk about, well, what's something what's something better? And good news is that, inshallah, I'm in the works with one of my teachers named Sidi Mustafa. This guy is an amazing, amazing man. He and I were invited by uh, an ustada. She has her own platform to develop a course on masculinity based on the work we've done with our own clients, uh, the work we've done within our studies. And I'm going to try my very best to produce a curriculum that is very fine-tuned and specific, something that is objective, something that can be reproduced something that has a clear method that anyone in the world is free to scrutinize and see if it works or not. And if it's aligned with the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and also aligned with our fitra and, and the results we can get. Um, that's what I really want to focus on because if we spend all our time picking at, oh, this doesn't work very well, instead of thinking about, okay, what can we take from it that does work? What can we take from, the, from the, its aim and how can we make it better if it's a if it's an actually worthy aim? Then we're going to be trapped. You know, we're not going to actually make any progress. We're so I find that one of the and this is another problem where people lack objectivity and empathy is they they expect that the the the, the response to feminism is going to be perfect from the get go on a large scale. The large scale doesn't represent the condition of scholars. You you would expect that from scholars that their response to feminism would be more nuanced. But the large scale rep is represented by a lot of people who don't have training, just like the sisters who flock to feminism don't have training. The people reacting to it don't have sufficient training. So you have to we have to be patient and realize that over time, things get polished, things, things get cleaned up as, as any movement uh, evolves and matures. We find that it starts to take on its true form or it's, it's more mature forms. Fahim, so we uh, have go ahead. Finish up. No, I just I just finished up saying we have to be patient while we're dealing with these these reactions and, and these people. You know, it's yeah. it's an interesting thing. I guess I guess for all of us, we can look back at our own selves. We're like we're, we're teenagers, right? We're, we're pretty messy. We don't really know who we are. We're figuring out things. Uh, some of, sometimes we're on to certain truths, but we just don't know how to pinpoint them correctly. Well, many of these movements are in their adolescence, too. They're, 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 they're basically teenagers psychologically. Right. There's they're growing up. They're getting slowly and surely fine-tuned but we have to be there people who actually have done the work of, be, of getting cleaned up have to be there to take their hand and show them look there's a better way because if we don't the, one of the laws of human nature is our, our social pressures will will dictate directions right and that means that the strongest most dominant social pressures are going to push people one way or another um, if those social pressures don't really meet our fitra needs they're going to fail in the long run we know this if a, if a movement came and said, don't drink water, and it somehow brainwashed everyone not to do it, how long would it last? Not very long, because we can't beat necessity. We all need to drink water, right? 
similarly, if there's a movement that teaches us wrong things about masculinity or femininity, we can only go against our own nature, our own fitra, and the pull that it has over us for so long before the effects and the consequences are clear. Relationships are going to fall apart. Marriages, uh, parental parental roles, parent-child roles, siblings, sibling, siblinghoods, the family structure, even, even between bros, right? Yeah. We're going to see these effects. I think that when we're having these discussions, we need to focus on what, what's the what's what's a better alternative instead of just trying to censor the discussion outright with an outrage based culture let's accept that yes it's going to be messy we're going to work on that we're going to fix that people people who, who are trying to are trying to pioneer this field they're gonna they're not going to have all the answers that's just a fact and if no one else is willing to help out what who are we to actually who are we to actually take this moral high ground right uh fame as we wrap things up I just want to reiterate the point. Many of the things we were asking Fahim and Tarek today were just challenging what our assumptions are of the actual <coughs> um, narrative or the social climate and whatever, however we're understanding it. We're, we're kind of because we don't have uh, Tanzim from Boys in the Cave nor Nabil on the show, so we're kind of trying to be as neutral or neutral as possible. We kind of had Tarek leaning on one side and, and Fahim on one side, but, uh, and I, I can tell you for, at least from my perspective, I try, I try to look at things as objectively as possible. And before making a decision, um, like I said, I, those who watch the, or listen to the podcast for a long time, I hate this whole intersectionality fights, whether you're male or female, black or white handicapped or non um sorry disabled or non-disabled but you know the various inter interactions or intersections of society are now being pit at against each other and th this is the way social media is now and i i just want to reiterate the point that none of this really matters to me in that sense i just hope that we have um we stop bullying each other into stopping uh, or bullying each other to not have a discussion, you know, and, and maybe it's not with Nabil today, but it could be with someone else tomorrow. And that's what, as a content creator, that's what I'm worried about the most. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and give a quick shout out to our sponsors this evening. Halfourdean.com is a place you go where you want to meet your significant other. Go to halfourdean.com for the private matrimonial experience. And whyhadinvest.com is... What was that? I said, mashaAllah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you don't want Nabil Aziz on halfourdean.com. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I wonder what that would be like. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Invite to the live uh, event. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, what are you doing, you? Man up. Go ahead and talk to that girl. <laughs> ain't gonna lie some of that was needed at that event there were some guys who just didn't have it in them and you could understand mm -hmm. why they were not married <clears throat> for so long um anyway wahedinvest.com is a website that is dedicated to halal investing go ahead and go to wahedinvest.com and download their convenient app and manage your finances quickly from a mobile device mywasia.com is a website that is dedicated to building a sharia compliant will Make your Sharia compliant will in as little as 15 minutes. We have a special link in the description below, and you can save some money on that. 
Um, Tariq, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Uh, Fahim, focus180.com, how do people reach you? But, oh, we, you both are the Canadian sensations. We yeah. didn't even mention that. These the double both. W, Waterloo and Windsor. Hey, yeah. Put Windsor on the map. Canada. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Fahim, like, so you mentioned Focus 180. Give people a little run. I know you've mentioned it before on our show. Give people a little quick rundown on Focus 180. Where can they reach, find out more about Focus 180? <clears throat> uh, my website is currently under construction, but for now, you can search up Focus 180. That would be focus, the word, dash, 180. On Facebook, you can find my Facebook page. And you can follow me on Instagram by searching up mr.focus180 without the dash. And you'll find me on Instagram, inshallah. Very and nice. soon, I will drop my website. Yeah. And before inshallah. before before Sim closes it off, we got Taboo. So Mort is traveling, so you're going to have to deal with my uh, ugly face for another week or so. Um, so Taboo Thursdays uh, is on this week, inshallah. Yeah. And real special event coming up this Sunday morning, and we'll tweet it out the details, but we have a YouTube Live with Dr. Ali Atai in studio from Zaytuna College. So uh, hit us Ooh, up on that. Inshallah. Inshallah. The listeners are wondering what's his expertise. His expertise is like theology, theology postmodernism, atheism. Um, yes. he is the, uh, he's the first Muslim to graduate <clears throat> in a PhD from a Christian seminary in, in, out in Berkeley, California. So... Lot to talk about there. We got. I think we will have a two-hour time limit on that, but we'll. If you uh, want to, if you want to see a, a sample of him in action, look up uh, Doctor Adi Ate versus David Wood on YouTube, and you'll see a great, great sample. Yeah, that's an old debate from two thousand six. So yeah, yeah, it's really old. very, very learned. He's you know a very learned guy. So we'll, uh, you know, we'll sh- share those details, and then if you guys can like hit us up with some questions, you want to swing his way, uh, definitely let us know. Inshallah. Awesome, excited to have him on and. Uh, We'll see y'all next week or this Thursday on Thursday. Thursday. So Inshallah. we'll see y'all then. Uh, and uh, reach us <coughs> to us uh, if you want to comment or uh, make any criticisms about this episode. Info at the madmamooks.com is Gentlemen, where you reach us. It was Thank a, so much. my pleasure. Jazakallah khair for having me on. Tariq, man, you're, you're an awesome dude. You're a gentleman. Barakallah. And I would love to. Well, the same my, to you, bro. My, my Canadian brother, man. We gotta, we gotta connect. Alhamdulillah, bro, bro. I got you, man. I got you. Inshallah, may Allah Taala always, you know, join us together in, uh, I mean, in the best state of health and iman. I mean, I mean, that was a beautiful du'a. May Allah facilitate goodness for us and keep us on the straight path and keep Amen. us, keep us accountable as brothers. I mean, I mean, we'll see you all Thursday. Take it easy. Take care, guys. Assalamu alaikum.